Welcome back to Health Talk by TriHealth, a monthly podcast to help you take charge of your own health care and live a healthier, happier life. I'm Tom Tumbush. Women with heart conditions are often told that they shouldn't try to have children. But while the risks and challenges are real, in many cases, they can be overcome. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. William Schnettler, director of the TriHealth Center for Maternal Cardiac Care, or the CMCC for short. This is one of the few multidisciplinary programs in the country that's dedicated to helping women with cardiac conditions achieve their dream of having a baby. And we're very fortunate that it's right here in Cincinnati. Also here today is Maria Lucas, who was once advised not to get pregnant because she probably wouldn't be able to carry children. Thanks to the CMCC, she has two healthy children today. Dr. Schnettler, Maria, welcome to Health Talk. Thank you. So, Dr. Schnettler, let's start with you. Uh, what kind of heart conditions create problems during a pregnancy? So we divide the heart conditions into two major categories, one being congenital or conditions that a woman is born with, and the other being acquired, one that uh, a condition that a woman may unfortunately suffer from either due to high blood pressure or other illness in her life. So like disease or maybe even trauma could cause that? Certainly, um, but more commonly as the age of women is increasing at the, the onset of their pregnancy or the, the first time they're choosing to undergo pregnancy, maybe later in life, and there may be already some development of heart disease as we would see in an older person, like coronary artery disease. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to pregnancy, um, when a woman has an underlying cardiac illness, what kind of risks and challenges is that introducing to the process? So the heart is asked to do a, a large amount of extra work during pregnancy. Uh, the output of the heart or the, the work that is asked of the heart is increased by about 50%. Mm -hmm. And the volume of blood flow that the heart is asked to pump is increased by 50%. Okay, so and that's a lot more work. A lot more work. And if there are subtle underlying issues in the heart that may be known or may be undiscovered at this point, that extra burden could unmask certain features and identify... Uh, new arrhythmias or new rhythm issues. With mm -hmm. the problem, now, with tell the me what an arrhythmia is, actually. So an arrhythmia is where the heart's uh, rate is not either regular or um, in a rhythmic fashion. Mm -hmm. but is Your now, heart might be skipping a beat. It's skipping a beat, or what we commonly refer to as, commonly refer to as palpitations. Mm -hmm. um, but it also could mean that the heart rhythm and rate are too fast. Okay. They're, now the heart, instead of beating 90 to 100 beats per minute, is beating... 150 to 180 beats per minute. And mm -hmm. that's obviously a lot to ask of that heart. So to to deal with these, um, TriHealth is, now has a, a range of services at, at your center for women who have a complicated pregnancy. Tell me about some of those. How, how are you dealing with these heart issues? So teamwork is always the, the best answer. And unfortunately in medicine, I think it's rare that we get to step outside of our own fields and team up with a physician in a different uh, specialty. And so what we've created is the Center for Maternal Cardiac Care, and it's a multidisciplinary team-based program where we bring in 
physicians that are cardiologists, adult cardiologists at TriHealth. We bring in adult congenital cardiologists from Children's, Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. We bring in anesthesiologists and um, occasionally other subspecialists like heart surgeons, cardiothoracic surgeons, where we get to meet together all in the same room with the patient and get to talk about all of the management plans and considerations as one unified voice. Instead of having a woman go to see a cardiologist and hear one thing and see an obstetrician or maternal fetal medicine and hear something totally different. Getting a lot of different advice. Exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like it's really a group effort. It really is a group effort. And we uh, have had tremendous success over the last three years and have seen now well over 100 women with underlying heart issues that are facing pregnancy and are managed as a team. Excellent. Now, Maria, you're one of those success stories. Um, tell us a little about yourself and uh, when you were diagnosed with a heart condition. Sure. Uh, my name's Maria Lucas. I was born and raised in Cincinnati. I'm 32 years old. I've been married for four years, and I have um, a daughter, Emma, who is two, and a son, Jack, who is seven weeks old. I was born with a congenital heart defect. I had a bicuspic aortic valve and a coarctation of the aorta. That what they, is that? So a bicuspic, a bicuspid aortic valve is um, when there's there's supposed to be three leaflets of your valve, and I was born with just two. Okay. And the coarctation is just a narrowing of my aortic valve. So you've known for basically your entire life that you had this condition. Yes. Yeah, so 12, about 12 hours after I was born, the doctor detected a heart murmur. So they referred me to Children's Hospital. Well, before I had my appointment, my parents had to rush me to the emergency room because I was bright blue and I was having breathing issues. Oh my God. And so at that time, they were able to diagnose the heart conditions mm -hmm. and they repaired my coarctation when I was two weeks old. And then when I was three years old, they went in and had my first open heart surgery where they uh, repaired my aortic valve. And you had another uh, heart surgery after that, if I recall correctly. I did. So after my first open heart surgery when I was three, I just had yearly follow-ups. And I had no incidents until it was 1996. I was in the sixth grade. And I had to have a balloon angioplasty because my heart gradients had increased higher than they had been running. And then since 1996, I had no issues until... It was 2013. I went in and I was then on a every other year plan where mm -hmm. I was going in to see the cardiologist because everything was looking so good. I didn't even need to go every year. And then they realized that my heart gradients had gone through the roof. So at that time, they did another balloon angioplasty, and they thought that that was going to fix the problem. And then eight months later, they did a checkup, and they found that my heart gradient was back up again. And so after that, I had my second open heart surgery in March of 2015, they repaired my heart valve again. Okay. So now when you started thinking about having children, mm -hmm. um, what advice did your doctors give you? So throughout my life, it never came up as far as having children. I don't know if it's because I wasn't in that point in my life. But in 2013, after I had the balloon angioplasty at that point, I was at my annual um, OBGYN checkup. And they it's just a standard question. They ask you at every doctor's appointment if there's any change in your medical history since the last appointment. And I told them, I said, well, I had um, a cardiac cath and a balloon angioplasty. And so when I met with the doctor after the appointment, she kind of asked about that. And I had just recently gotten engaged. And she said something about if I was thinking about having children in the future. And I said, yeah, absolutely. 
And she said that she would not feel comfortable um, treating me with my heart issues. And it was at that time that she referred me to the cardiac clinic. So that's how you found the Center for Maternal Cardiac Care. Mm -hmm. Okay. What kind of risks were they warning you about when they referred you? Uh, I think it was just a risk that something would go wrong with my heart or um, that the baby would develop, something would go wrong with the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those were the main risks. So... um, Dr. Shetler, Maria, what kind of treatment plan did you end up working out? Mm-hmm. So with your first pregnancy, Emma, uh, we had, I think, a greater level of anxiety mm-hmm. uh, because we had not faced the challenge of pregnancy yet. And that's always, I think, the big unknown is how how is each individual person's heart going to, mm-hmm. to manage the stress of pregnancy? And we... In addition to putting in, I think, a large amount of extra surveillance, extra maternal echocardiograms or ultrasounds of the heart and rhythm checks with the EKG, um, had a little bit more caution and concern around the time of delivery. Mm -hmm. I think we were nervous about the added burden of pushing and uh, the strain of actual labor. Um, but then I think after you had navigated that really well with Emma, our not that our guard went down, but we felt much more comfortable, I think, with Jack's pregnancy, yeah. feeling as though you were going to tolerate things very well. How's life with two little ones now? It's great. It's uh, chaotic. I think whoever made up the saying that having one kid is like none and two is like ten was absolutely right. <laughs> I feel like it's constant on the go, but it's been great. Dr. Schnettler, how common is the type of condition that Maria had going into her pregnancies? So Maria's condition is pretty rare in that she had multiple issues all in, in one. I think the most common issue with anybody that is going to have or be labeled with a congenital heart defect is a bicuspid aortic valve. That's fairly common. Perhaps half of a percent to 1% of the population has a bicuspid aortic valve. But to also have severe correctation of the aorta or severe narrowing of the aorta and to require so many procedures to repair that uh, really places Maria kind of at the upper spectrum of severity of her, of her condition. Yeah, and I know that there was a certain level of anxiety with Maria's first delivery is... Is it a common thing for you to be concerned about the risks of delivery? I mean, not just with Maria, but with all of your patients. Absolutely. That is the time frame with which we have the most concern. Not only does pregnancy increase the demands about 50% above normal for for the heart's uh, output, but then labor does an additional 50%. So really the heart's being asked to double its work. It's working twice as hard during that. During labor. And so that's a time period when uh, if something is going to go wrong, it is most likely going to go wrong either during delivery or immediately after. And so we really step up our level of surveillance and often we use continuous heart monitoring during labor. On occasion, and fortunately with Maria, we didn't have to, but on occasion, we actually deliver patients in the cardiac ICU with cardiac invasive monitoring and the the heart doctors right there because we're so worried that something's going to take place in that moment. Maria, how did you prepare for that, I guess, physically, emotionally, and other ways? Yeah, I mean, I think that 
Dr. Schnettler and everybody else did enough preparing for me that I didn't have to worry too much about it. I felt that I was closely monitored and I was constantly um, having people check my heart and make sure everything was okay. So I felt pretty confident about everything going on. Maria, were you concerned about the possibility that you might pass on a, a heart condition to your children? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That was um, one of my biggest fears when me and my husband talking about getting pregnant in the first place was if we could pass on um, the heart defect to our children. And people had told me that, you know, you could have one kid and it could have a heart defect or you could have 100 and they couldn't, they, none of them would have any heart defects. So I definitely was worried about passing it on to a child. Dr. Schnettler, what's your experience with that? I, I, it seems like this is something a lot of your patients would be concerned about. What do you find to be the case with children born under these conditions? It's really interesting because when you, we look at population data, the numbers uh, would suggest that about 5 to maybe 10% of parents are going to pass on some form of heart condition to their children. It's much more likely if the heart condition is on the left side of the heart. Oh, interesting. So like Maria's, where it's involving the left ventricle or the aorta, those do have a higher propensity to be passed on to subsequent generations. And we, we might quote a 10% risk to a woman with that sort of condition. However, what is emerging are these families where the rates seem to be much higher. I've had several families where the mother and two or three of her children and her sister and her mother all have a heart condition, and they may not all be exactly the same, but they all are either share either left-sidedness or right-sidedness, and those that propensity to pass things on at such a high extent in that one family leads us to believe that there's a lot more to learn about the genetics of passing uh, cardiac defects on. Now, in your case, Maria, was there any sign that either of your children had inherited a heart defect? No. So for each of my pregnancies, they conducted a fetal echo when I was 20 weeks pregnant, mm -hmm. which is um, a more in-depth look at the fetus's heart. And fortunately, neither of my two kids had any um, issues. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I believe they'll have their hearts looked at probably mm -hmm. when they're around preschool age, right, to look to see if they have the bicuspid aortic valve. Yep. Yeah. Dr. Schnettler, what else is TriHealth doing to support women who have complicated pregnancies? So I believe the face of healthcare is changing in a way that is more team-oriented and program-oriented. And we're seeing the emergence in our field of centers like ours for the Center for Maternal Cardiac Care, um, but also a, a joint effort that we have with children's that is called the Fetal Care Center. Mm -hmm. And the Fetal Care Center is one of three or four top fetal care advanced uh, in utero procedure programs in the country. Um, there are maybe three or four others that are, that rival the volume and the the types of procedures that the fetal care center uh, will will perform and that is a joint effort between trihealth and cincinnati children's we're investigating new programs almost every day we have a hope program which is a program aimed at helping women who have opioid dependence seek sobriety and and maintain uh, the, either with medication, a level of support um, 
for throughout their pregnancy. So now that's becoming more and more important. Now yes, it is. With the opioid epidemic going yes, on. Yes, it is. So that that program has had and seen a lot of success in this population. And then I've also heard um, about a robotic cerclage program. Am I pronouncing that right? Correct. Yes. So there's a there's a group of women that have what's known as cervical insufficiency. The cervix is the bottom of the uterus, and that is what should stay and remain closed throughout all of pregnancy. And in some women, whether it's due to uh, just a congenital weakening of that cervical tissue or that they've had surgery on their cervix before for pap smears or et cetera, that uh, that cervix opens up prematurely and they experience very preterm birth, oftentimes delivering their babies before viability. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, there are some women that the standard traditional therapy for cervical insufficiency, which is a cerclage that's performed through the birth canal, isn't enough. And they require what's known as an abdominal cerclage. And historically, we've only been able to do that through a large abdominal incision in the Mm -hmm. abdomen done during pregnancy. And um, recently, we've developed a robotic approach to doing that minimally invasive approach where we can now do that before pregnancy and in pregnancy through small incisions in the abdomen and it can be done as a same day procedure. Excellent. That sounds like there's some exciting things still up and coming, okay. Well, Dr. Schnettler, Maria, thank you so much for being with us here on Health Talk today. Thank you so thank much. You. You've been listening to Health Talk by TriHealth, where care professionals help you to stay up to date on proactive healthcare strategies and to live a healthier lifestyle. Next month, we'll focus on the up-and-coming field of genetic counseling, one of the exciting developments in the trend toward personalized medical treatment. If your family has a history of cancer, the TriHealth Cancer Institute can help you determine your own risk of inheriting a similar condition. You'll learn how this rapidly growing field can help spot cancer much earlier, improving the chance of successful treatment or even preventing cancer entirely. We'll also explore how your unique genetic information can be used to plan cancer screening, prevention, and treatment that's customized specifically for you. I hope you'll join us. You can listen to Health Talk online at tryhealth.com or search for Health Talk by TriHealth on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, or your favorite podcast source. This is Tom Tumbush. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It should not be relied upon to make a diagnosis or for treatment purposes. And this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. Please consult your healthcare provider or contact TriHealth to make an appointment if medical attention is needed. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals interviewed and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of TriHealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast is the copyrighted work of TriHealth, which owns the exclusive rights thereto. Unauthorized use, copying, and dissemination are illegal. Copyright 2018, TriHealth. All rights reserved.